A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus, the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. As we prepare for our message, would you bow with me one more time as I share a brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we're making our way through the season of Advent, today's message is titled, Open Your Eyes. And I want to begin asking this question, how are the holidays for you? Let me ask it in a different way. How are the holiday, holidays with family for you? Uh, if I'm honest, I sometimes approach the holidays with fear and trepidation, especially when it involves family, getting family together, having family stay the night. I know that's not your experience. It might just be mine, but it just so happens about a month ago, my sister-in-law call, called my wife. And she said, hey, we'd love to come to Charleston uh, during Thanksgiving. Do you think that'd be okay? And Carly talked to me, and I said, yeah, I, I think it's okay, right? So uh, with their three kids, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law hit the road, and they drove all the way from Minnesota. And I took a snapshot of this map from the interwebs, and it shows that the trip, without really stopping, is 19 hours and 45 minutes. So they drove two days on the front end and two days on the back end to visit us here in Charleston. And Carly, in discussing the plan, she said, do you think we can break our rule? And I said, babe, you know, we have that rule for a reason. And she said, well, they really, they're driving so far. Can they stay four nights? 
Does anyone else have a three-night rule in their house? Okay, let's be real. Someone in the first service did too. He said, it's two, right? And I said, you know, they're driving so far. We really should say, hey, you can stay for those four nights. But if I'm honest, I was filled with fear and trepidation. But it ended up being an amazing time together. They have three kids. We have three kids. The cousins all got along. It was amazing. Here are some of the things that we did in their visit. Carly took them to an excursion to Bulls Island on an eco tour. Anyone been to Bulls Island? I guess it was great. I had to miss that one. Then we went to Middleton Place. Anyone been to Middleton Place in the gardens? Stunning, gorgeous. And then my oldest, who's like 6'10", um, in all seriousness, he's 15, he's 6'7". He convinced everyone to play a full-court basketball game behind the Daniel Island School. And these cousins, it was three verse three, and they loved it. And then every night, you know, I think fires bring and build community. So I would light a fire in the fire pit and we'd have s'mores. Do we have any s'more connoisseurs in here? Yep, yep, okay, good. And, and it just so happens when we finally got to Thanksgiving, as I led us in prayer, I opened my eyes and the kids were praying with eyes wide open, these Minnesotan cuties, because they didn't want to miss anything. There was such excitement and anticipation in their visit. And I think that's how we're to approach Christmas and especially our passage. We will see in our passage that Joseph actually opens wide his eyes. The big idea for this morning is this. As we approach Christmas, we're to open our eyes and ready our lives for the coming of Jesus. And as we'll see in our passage, I think the coming of Jesus disrupts our lives and our world. The coming of Jesus transcends our lives and our world. And the coming of Jesus demands our lives and our world. So let's dive in. Point one, the coming of Jesus disrupts our world. The passage begins. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The coming of Jesus disrupts our world. In fact, the story begins with a broken heart. Can you imagine or will you imagine what it would have been like to be Joseph in this story? He's engaged. He looks up and he sees that there's a bump in his wife's belly. And he knows that bump is not from me. Think of the anguish. Think of the emotion that he must have carried. And I think that uh, our passage, it, it draws us into our humanity right out of the gate in this mysterious kind of way. Let, let's read this passage again, but take out 
that which he did not know yet. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. What? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The Christmas story is disruptive. It begins with a broken heart of this groom, this husband, and then it continues with a broken future. What do I mean by that? Well, in those days, let me tell you how marriage came about. The parents would come together and most times arrange a marriage early on when the kids were munchkins. And then when it came time for the engagement, the groom would actually pay a bridal price and the engagement would begin. And it was so much more serious than our engagements today. In fact, they would begin to be called husband and wife, as you see in our passage. The only thing that could break an engagement was death or infidelity. And infidelity was seen as so serious that in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 22, the Israelites were instructed to actually put to death those who were unfaithful in their engagement. And it wasn't just about that home. It was about the covenantal community. So again, imagine the anguish Joseph felt knowing that his wife, soon-to-be wife, was pregnant and that wasn't his baby. It would have been so, so hard, right? And, and he would be instructed then to basically quietly divorce her. By the time in the New Testament, things had settled down. They were no longer stoning women in this regard. But like, it was so disruptive. So he, he thought to himself, how can I get out of this quietly and gracefully? Let me ask this question. Have you ever tried to take the right path and ended up with rotten results? The job you loved phased out. The friend you trusted walked out. The love you longed for didn't work out. The marriage you fostered burned out. The family you prayed for never turned out. Confusion and despair are not just part of our story. They are mysteriously part of the Christmas story. Point one, the coming of Jesus disrupts our world. Point two, the coming of Jesus transcends our world. The passage continues, but after he had considered this, Another way of reading that is determined to do this, meaning divorce her. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him 
Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, the paradox of faith is that it's often our darkest moments that become our most defining moments. And this is not just true for Joseph. It's true throughout Scripture. Let's do a little uh, recall or recount of history. Abraham, Abraham, do you love me? God says, yes. I want you to go up on this mountain, and I want you to sacrifice that which is closest to you, your son, to me as a burnt offering. What kind of, what kind of God are you? But Abraham, he goes up with his son, knowing that God will provide at just the right time. Moses, what did Moses do? He rescued the Israelites from slavery and bondage, and he led them through the wilderness. They finally get to the promised land. Do you think they were like, yeah, we made it? No, they looked. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, but they saw big people, giants, you know what they said? Moses and Aaron, how dare you? We wish we had died in the wilderness or just gone back to Egypt. Well, that must have been fun. Then jo Joshua is part of this same scene in Numbers. Joshua and Caleb are sent as spies into the promised land to scout it out to see if the Israelites can take it. They come back and they say, guys, good news. We can take this land and it's such good land. God is faithful. Let's do it. And you know what the community says? It's, it's crazy. It says, then they determined to stone them. Oh, that's nice. Then Naomi, we preach through Ruth. Naomi, she's a faithful wife. And there's a famine in Judah. And with her husband and two sons, they make their way to Moab so they can provide for their family. Only Elimelech and the two sons, guess what? They die. Finally, Naomi makes her way back to Judah, and someone says, Naomi, it's so good to see you. She says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me bitter. That's what the scripture tells us. And then there's awesome King David, right? The little shepherd boy. He's anointed to become king. You think there's going to be this great celebration? And right when God's saying, I'm with you, I'm for you, guess what happens? He has to flee for his life. It's sometimes that our darkest moments become our most defining moments, and that's when we are called to hear, in the face of your fear, I am faithful. And that's what's happening here. Joseph, in this disruption, is invited to hear basically those words. Joseph, in your fear, I am faithful. Joseph, the scripture says, son of David, don't be afraid. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. They will call him Emmanuel. Just when all hope seems lost, hope is found. Just when it's the darkest, it becomes the brightest. Why? Because this even transcends Joseph. The people of God had longed for a Messiah. They'd longed for a Christ. From the line of David, you open up Matthew chapter 1, you're like, why is this huge lineage here? Why? Because it shows God is faithful. There have been these messianic promises throughout the Old Testament. God will summon in the, send 
a Messiah in the line of David. He'll forgive sins and he'll dwell with his people. In Ezekiel 34, we read, I will save my flock. They will no longer be plundered. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will tend them, he will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince amongst them. Later we read, I will sprinkle clean water on you. You will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities, all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Zechariah, on that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David in the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. You see, Christmas illustrates that no matter our story, we're part of a bigger story. No matter the disruption you walked in with today, you're part of a bigger story. Point two, the coming of Jesus transcends our world. And point three, the coming of Jesus demands our world. Let me ask this. How many parents in the room did extensive searches in order to name their kids? Any parents in the room go on the interwebs or buy little books with all these names, hundreds of names, right? Yeah. So I'm old enough to have predated the whole interwebs thing when we started having kids, right? My wife and I would go to Barnes and Nobles and Borders Books. Does Borders still exist? I, I don't know if it does. And we'd buy these books and we'd circle names. And uh, it was a big deal to name our kid for whatever reason. And, and we planned uh, a lot with each kid. We made lists. We'd pray over the list. And I thought I'd share some of our names this morning. We, we came up with the name Sawyer. We came up with the name Finn, Storm, Cooper, Reese, Brady, Lily, Madeline, Sadie, Isla, Cadence, Soren, nice, Augustine, and Tertullian. True story. I was in seminary. Our first was born. I said, babe, I've got the name. It's a strong name, and we can shorten it to Tert. <laughs> and she says, are you kidding me? And I said, no, you don't like it? Like, I thought... I thought we were deeply theologically rooted together as one. But I didn't win one naming uh, situation. Blaze, Blaze isn't B-L-A-Z-E, our middle son. It's B-L-A-I-S-E after Blaise Pascal. So we have one future theologian or not. Anyway, and you see what happens here. Joseph Son of David, you are to give him the name Jesus. That's what the angel of the Lord says. Now, this is a really big deal. Why? Because in biblical times, the father had the absolute right and responsibility to name his child. It represented headship over the home and over the family. And so when God's saying, I want you to relinquish that right to me, it's a huge deal. He says, I want you to name him Jesus. 
which literally means Yahweh saves. And not only is Joseph asked to relinquish his right to name the child, God requires that Joseph give up his right, excuse me, God requires that Joseph give up his future to welcome the child, Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, he would have been going against the law, the covenantal law, to adopt Jesus as his own son. He had to make a choice. Do I listen and obey God's word, or do I kind of go with what society says is best? It was a huge choice. And just imagine all of his life, there'd be slander about who he is and who Mary is and who Jesus is. You see, the story of Christmas demonstrates we must be prepared to lay down our claims and conditions to welcome Jesus. Jesus is either the long-awaited Savior King who came to conquer sin and darkness, or he's not. He either is Emmanuel, God with us, or he's not. There is no middle ground with Jesus. So let me ask you, who is Jesus to you today? Is he God's son sent to love you and redeem you, restore a divine relationship with you, or not? Jesus himself, Luke 9, would say, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Tim Keller says it like this. People constantly say to me, I am interested in being a Christian, but not if being a Christian means I have to do X or Y. Do you know what they're doing? They're trying to name him. No, if you want Jesus with you, you have to give up the right to self-determination. Self-denial is an act of rebellion against our late modern culture of self-assertion. But that is what we're called to, nothing less. And notice Joseph's response. When Joseph woke up, when he opened his eyes, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. With no words, Joseph trusted and obeyed. You see, Joseph knew that in Jesus, the worst news was now the very best news. So in closing, as we approach Christmas, we're called to open our eyes and ready our lives for the coming of Jesus. I invite us first to embrace the disruption. If you're walking around in life or you're struggling in life, might it be that God's actually moving towards you than away from you? Might it be that there's more in your story? Which leads to the second thing, embrace the transcendence. Might God be doing something 
beautiful that you can't yet see? Might it be that there's a cosmic drama, a divine drama, in which you and I and we have a role to play? And I invite us to embrace the demands, to be very honest with who we are and with very honest with what the Bible says about Jesus, who he claimed to be. He either is the Lord or he's not. And you either need him or you do not. What I love about this passage in, in the whole Gospel of Matthew, it begins with this promise. I'm sending my son who is Emmanuel, God with us. And it ends, Matthew 28, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. Lo, I am with you always to the very end of the ages. It begins with the promise of presence, and it ends with the promise of presence. The second thing I know is Joseph, in all of the Gospels, from what I can see, never utters a word. But with his life, with his all and his everything, he trusts and obeys God's word. How about you? How about us? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage, what it represents, what it calls us to. God, for some of us, we're ready to finally relinquish our future, our rights, our conditions, our claims, and say yes to Jesus. And if that's you today, I just invite you to silently say yes. Jesus, save me from my sins. Give me your presence. Make me whole and new. And God, for all of us, I pray that as we travel towards Christmas, that this gospel would disrupt us, transcend us, and demand from us all that you want it to that we would step up, not step away, that we would open our eyes and ready our lives to welcome King Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.